Oh, good. Okay, and we are back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winter, and I'm here as always with Dr. Bear Paul Lando. We have a very special guest and friend back on with us today, Dr. Edith Ubuntu-Chan. Very excited to get deep into uh, her new project, Luminous Children, and everything she's doing. Uh, it's warming up here on the farm, and um, we are excited to be in full production of our Jagulan product and everything else we're doing on the permaculture farm. Um, if you are interested in knowing more about that, go to alphavedic.com, A-L-F-A-V-E-D-I-C.com and find out all the information about us. You can find out about uh, not only the, the products that we offer, but uh, our co-op at Patre on Patreon. And um, we have uh, an executive membership there. And uh, Bear, we actually... Uh, after the after the podcast, we'll figure out uh, when our executive meeting is this month. Just realize that, but we do a monthly executive meeting for members there, where we can all uh, talk about uh, present things in in our lives and help each other out. And uh, it's a wonderful community, so check that out. And of course, our community on Telegram is always lively. T.me forward slash Alpha Vedic. Uh, we're all about community here, so check that out. There, or if you're more into the Discord program, you can check us out at alphavedic.com forward slash Discord for our online forum there. Uh, any other points of business, Bear? Anything else going on at the farm or anything before we, we kick this in? Same old, same old planting. And I uh, got a few hundred more starts to go and then we'll be done. We've got a crew out there right now. Uh, put on Telegram the other day, we had a couple volunteers show up, actually three. Uh, kind of accelerated, you know, one day work into about four days of work. I got done yesterday, so I got a whole new area planted. So uh, thanks, Nikolai and Tara. Uh, awesome. They came up from Santa Barbara. So uh, yeah, people are awesome. They're just uh, volunteering to help and showing up and just really awesome people. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, um, we do have a, a decent waiting list for people who are looking to come and integrate on the farm. Um, and you can contact us. Really, uh, the best way to go about it is through um, Patreon's a great way or uh, hit me up on Telegram. But um, yeah, the co-op is a great way to get involved and get on that list uh, to come up here. Uh, and as we move forward in developing the farm, we'll have facilities eventually where people can actually stay. But right now, I assume folks that come up, they were camping, right, Bear? Yes, they were. Yeah. And uh, the good thing is, is we have a campsite, just, uh, you know, federal campsite just right down the road. Like what it is even a mile from here, probably. Yeah. So if you are interested, please contact us first. Uh, that is very important. That's something Deb will stress <laughs> heavily um, because you and Deb do live on the farm. And uh, and then, of course, we could uh, talk about, uh, you know, the campsites and places where you guys can stay. Uh, and then last, of course, we have uh, Music and Sky right around the corner. And, and Edith, uh, our, our beautiful guest today, uh, we can talk a little bit about that because she will be one of the uh, featured speakers at the event and will be there with her entire family. So that is really fun. That is on the weekend of July. 4th. And if you haven't heard of Music and Sky, go to musicandsky.com for more information there. There are some limited tickets still available. Okay, um, let's go ahead and pop into this. Uh, I'm very excited to go uh, deep into this topic today. It's very close to my heart as a father of two young ones who I uh, personally feel are very illuminated in their own respects. So uh, this is great. 
Uh, Dr. Edith Ubuntu-Chan, uh, we're delighted to have her as a return guest uh, to share her revolutionary program to realize a peaceful and free world through a new paradigm in parenting. Raising, quote, <clears throat> raising the new generation of luminous kids is the most rich and rewarding experience, but it also comes with a unique set of challenges. Luminous kids do not fit the conventional paradigms. They are cosmic beings. They're highly intuitive, sensitive, and empathetic. They bring great wisdom and have come to show us a whole new realm of possibilities. Being parents of these luminous kids requires that we let go of old models of parenting. We need to cultivate ourselves and do our inner work. We need great patience with these children who literally question everything. It's time to portal into the new reality. The intense changes of recent times have created the perfect opportunity for us. Let's step into magical new possibilities and join us, unquote, from Dr. Chan. Uh, here at AlphaCast, we can't think of a more important topic than assisting the incoming generation reach their full potential while assuring a brighter future for us all. This will actually be the first in an AlphaCast series uh, that will feature brilliant people creating real change in the world as truth seekers worldwide come together and reclaim our divine right for self-determination. We will have a series of these moving forward in the next few weeks um, of individuals, maybe some you haven't heard of, who are doing amazing things out there uh, that are solution-oriented and freedom-focused, sovereign-minded, that um, are so crucial for this time right now, huh, Bear? Absolutely, but we've all heard of uh, Dr. Edith. She's uh, <laughs> our fave here. So, uh, so awesome to have you and uh, see your smiling face. God, it's hard to believe it's been about a year since you were up here. You wouldn't believe all the changes here on the farm. We've been super busy. Now we've got walls of green everywhere and, and you got to come up and see us again. So, um, so stoked to have you here and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. It's also near and dear to my heart. You know, uh, we started homeschooling our kids, uh, I don't know, almost 40 years ago or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, back then, we just felt like uh, schools weren't an option. It just uh, wasn't the way we wanted our kids programmed. We wanted to remain, uh, you know, our, the primary peers of our children so we could have a rapport and, you know, keep the family unit together while, you know, properly educating and socializing them. And um, that was a long time ago. And now we're looking at school systems where just the thought of my grandkids, which fortunately uh, they aren't subjected to this, but them going to schools in their present state, I would liken that to being akin to just overt child abuse. Yeah. And, you know, I, I understand um, parents, you know, they say, well, I don't have the, enough time and I don't know if I could pull off homeschooling and I know we're going to go beyond homeschooling. And, and this is what we really want to hear about Edith, because you're doing an amazing program there, but you know, down the road, I would just like to ask these parents, you know, once your uh, kid has been mind twisted by sociopaths their, their entire life, they, they spend their, uh, the bulk of their time away from you so that they don't even consider you within their social of influence in the first place. Uh, after they've been genetically modified into drooling zombies, and uh, they're starting to report you to the authorities uh, for social justice infractions, then come back and tell me if you think having a free babysitting service was worth it. And excuse the little 
bit of a rant here, but if you have a child, that is your responsibility amongst above anything else. Otherwise, you shouldn't have brought that child in. That child came in at the soul level, chose you to be the parent, to protect, to cultivate the, the amazing unlimited potential that that child has, that every child has, and you handed them off to somebody else because it was more convenient. So shame on the parents. Sorry, you know, I'm kind of in the mood these days to just call people out and not be delicate anymore. But shame on the parents that put anything above their child and then go to school board meetings and, you know, argue with the board and, you know, express anger for all these things you're doing to the kids, but then keep their kids in that situation in the first place. Pull them out. That's the only way the school system will change. And uh, in the meantime, we don't need them anyway. And I would tell parents also that even if you take your kids out of school and don't homeschool them, but just let them go play outside every day, that will raise their IQ like about by exponential factors compared to leaving them in one of these uh, zombie factories. So Edith, let's take it beyond that and go into we want to know what a luminous child is and how you are helping our children, our most precious commodity, our future, reach their potentials and realize their true purpose in life. When you were talking about the child abuse zombie factory, I like I'm, I'm having a hard time not crying right now because the beautiful new reality is so incredibly beautiful. The, the gifts, the richness, the mm. awesomeness, the rewards for you, for the child, and the ease and the flow and the fun that's available. People have no idea. You know, and um and and to contrast that, there's like this this like <laughs> psychedelic multicolor rainbow spectrum omnivision multidimensional reality over here. And then I just see like black and white, you know, flat, dead zombie reality over here. It's just like, hmm, which one am I going to choose? It's just, it's, it's amazing to me that people don't just walk away from the old paradigm because the contrast is so incredible right now. And I understand because, um, because there aren't that many examples of us living this multi-dimensional um, rainbow party over here yet, right? That's why we have Music and Sky. That's why we have your podcast. That's why we're having these conversations. So instead of like the paradigm of like, oh, it's so hard. I'm just going to tough it out and try to homeschool for a, another three months, another year. They're going to keep trying to flatten the curve. And then one more day, one more day, just tough it out. It's like, stop toughing it out. Just allow yourself to drop into a different state of joy and flow and, and honoring of your children. I think, um, I think it goes way, it's really talking about homeschooling, I think maybe the wrong conversation. Because if the parent doesn't know who they really are, like what is a human? What are we doing here first and foremost? If you see yourself as, um, as a little, um, you know, biological meat suit going to work and 
making little units of GDP <laughs> and then come home and you want your children to be good at making little units of GDP, then it makes total sense why you put them into zombie factories. And, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it, it, we need to step way back and ask the question, what is a human? And what is this life for? Right? So let's, let's, I invite the audience to all take a moment, take a deep breath. What is a human? And what's the difference between a human and a robot? Because now that with AI, the robots are getting really smart and all the things that a robot can do really begs the question, what, a, what is left of a human? Is a human someone that can tap into the multidimensional layers of reality and channel consciousness into physical form, right? And we're here to be creative, innovative, to explore, to learn, and to grow. What is the purpose of this life? And so if you have some clarity about that, then that influences everything else. The decisions you make with your health, what kind of... Um, what kind of practitioners you work with to heal yourself when you do have a health challenge, right? How you, how you garden, what kind of home you're attracted to living in, what kind of friendships you choose to have, and of course, how you choose to interact with your children. That changes completely. So if you see yourself as an infinite cosmic being in temporary human flesh form here to learn and grow and explore and take the cosmic playground into the physical realm, then it's like, okay, then how would the parenthood journey change for you? So for us, how that, how that evolved is that we weren't even, I think some people have heard the story before, we weren't even planning to have children. And in 2013, I went to dark room retreat with Jasmine Heen, who's been on the show before. And um, it was this, amazing experience of tapping into so many layers of beautiful realities and remembering my um, my true nature, remembering the, what I'm doing here as a human and, and tuning into multiple lifetimes of wisdom. And when I came back to San Francisco, I was like, I can't live in the city anymore. So I dragged Dave to the countryside to live in a tiny little cottage with an acre of land. And while living that lifestyle, I was like, wow, my intuition is skyrocketing, just being surrounded by trees, not having all the crazy noise of the city. And my menstrual cycle synced up perfectly to new moon, full moon, month after month after month. And at night, my dream life would be so vivid, so clear, so much insight would come through. So between the meditation and the dreams, this little boy started coming to hang out with me. And so we developed this cosmic friendship over the course of many months, many visits. So it was like, hey, how are you doing? There you are again, right? So then he's coaching us. He's, he's, he's sharing his wisdom. He's sharing what he wants to do when he comes to the planet and he's negotiating his conception, right? So we can see from that vantage point by the time the child actually comes to physical form, you can't put him in a zombie factory. That, that's just unfathomable by the time he's of school age, right? So I think it's really about stepping back and 
and reorienting who we are as humans and how we interact with one another. It doesn't mean that I sometimes don't get cranky when he's like making a big mess or throwing his toys all around. The house is chaos and, you know, the children are screaming and, you know, I don't, I get impatient, of course, in those moments. But when I look at the child, you're not seeing somebody that you own, that you would go sit down, shut up. I'm going to order you around you see that this is a cosmic being in human form that you're blessed to accompany on this journey that they've actually, in fact, in my dream time, in my meditations before he was conceived, there was a lot of clarity that he scoured the cosmos as all children do. So now he's um, six and he tells his side of the story about scouring the cosmos and picking the perfect set of parents. And when we're doing bedtime stories, you know, you read a story for us, when we tuck into bedtime, it's all talking about everything that he remembers from before he incarnated here. So I'm getting a cosmic education. When we tuck into bedtime story, he's telling me bedtime stories. And it's so much fun, like the richness and the awesomeness is, is I could never have dreamed that it would be like this, right? So when he um, was negotiating his conception, one of the things he shares is that he says, he says that me and Dave, we didn't want to be children, we didn't want to be parents for a very good reason, because we have a very clear idea about what we're not attracted to in the old paradigm of parenthood. He says, you're 100% right about something that has nothing to do with me. You're totally right about that old paradigm and this new generation of children. This is back in 2013. He says, right now, there's a whole new wave of children that are just about to come in that are bringing a paradigm and bringing a reality, bringing a way of being human that the planet hasn't seen before. So everything is changing and you have to trust that when we come here, it will show you the way. I can't explain it to you. I have to have a body and be on earth to show it to you. So you have to trust that everything you didn't like about the old paradigm is true and it has nothing to do with us. We, we don't play that game at all, right? So now, now that he's six, he tells these stories it was like, mama, when I was a space baby, well, I, I don't even know where to begin. He's like, he was like, I, <laughs> I came out of this machine that recycles dead people and dead stars and turns them into space babies. He says, some people come to planet Earth after they've already died before and they're recycled in the machine. Yeah. He says, inside there is a rainbow space baby, and outside there is a ball of light that's made of dead stars. But me, I was never on planet Earth before. Me and baby, we came out of the machine together like twins, and we were just made of dead stars, not dead people. This is my first time ever. Wow. So he says, so me and baby, we came out and I saw you when you were still in space. I was like, wow, we knew each other when we were still in space. He was, and he said, yeah, I waved you goodbye when you jumped into the portal to go to your mama's belly. 
And I said, did you already know that I was going to be your mama? He said, no, I had to wait and see how it went. So I said, goodbye. I love you. And um, maybe I'll see you. Maybe I won't. If I choose you, he says, if I choose you, maybe I'll see you later. Maybe not. And then he says that then the, the, the space baby, they float around and they do space tag and space hide and seek. And he's got this whole thing about what space looked like. There's the dark part. There's the rainbow part. There's the cold part. And there's the warm part. And there's all these beings, these green guys that caretake for the space babies. Oh, there's a cold part, the hot part, and a warm part of space. These green guys that um, caretake for the space babies and help them look on these screens to pick their favorite set of parents. So, so much thought, so much planning goes into precisely picking the perfect set of parents for your next incarnation. He said, I looked at this screen and this screen and this screen, there was hundreds or thousands of screens. And finally, me and Dave, he was like, you were the last one. And I said, yeah, that one. And that's when I jumped in and talked to you in your dreams. And I said, does every space baby try to talk with their parents in their dreams or in their meditations? And he says, yes, but they don't always hear it. So he used to help the other space babies get through to their parents. And he tells me so many things. He says, you know, sometimes the parents aren't very healthy and so they can't hear properly these messages. Mm -hmm. And I said, how come, some, how come I have all these patients who are such nice people and they're trying to have babies, but they can't. And Kabrim says, Kabrim says, well, because they're not very healthy. Space babies don't want to choose parents that aren't very healthy. They want to choose the most bright and shiny ones. So the parents have to get much more healthy. They have to tune into the state where they can hear the signals from their future babies. That and he says, on, he says, on planet Earth, people are confused. People think that the mama and the baba, they kick their peepees together and make a baby. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. <laughs> he says, how, <laughs> how it works is the space baby looks on the screens and picks the parents. And then it makes the mama and baba want to kick their peepees together. <laughs> and then that's how you make the baby. If you don't have the space baby wanting to come, there's no way you can have a baby. People need to understand that. That is that is really interesting. And one thing to your point, what you talked about on the first alpha cast you're on is that this is you can verify a lot of this because you yourself had these dreams where Kabrim came to you before um, he was born. So there's uh, a bit of uh, you know, this isn't just a child telling you stories. You actually had this experience. And then you, as you said, you weren't even planning to have a child. Right. So, so I think we're going through a process of evolution as uh, all of us, right? We're doing so much inner work. We're waking up to so many things and we're realigning and, and basically writing the inverted reality that we've been living in. So if you just do everything backwards from the way that it used to be, you'll get pretty close. 
right? So the backwards thing is that like, oh, well, I'm going to have sex and make a baby and keep trying and keep trying and keep trying. This idea of I'm going to try for a baby. I think the trying part is to do the inner work first. Like a lot of people like, oh, shoot, I have a baby. How am I going to feed it and like care for it? And then, oh, shoot, now they're like an angry teenager. I need to do some meditation so I can handle this uh, cranky. I mean, you know, I honor everybody for their journey wherever they're at. And I honor that parents sometimes is like your kid starts to behave in a certain way and it forces you to go into therapy and, and do some soul searching. I'm grateful that that people choose to take that step when the shit hits the fan. Right. But in the new reality, we don't wait till the shit hits the fan to do the inner work. Right. The, so everything that evolved, I'd like to say, um, with my parenthood journey is it all happened as a side effect of all the meditative journeys and all the inner work allowed me to, you know, 20 years of deep cleaning of my body. Right. Like 20 years of living a totally organic, healthy you know, like no junk food lifestyle. And it wasn't like I was trying for it because I was doing inner work and I just felt like, wow, my meditation, my well-being, my vitality, if I don't do alcohol or drugs, if I just clean my body, I feel great. I have so much more inner clarity. So the parenthood game happened as a side effect of that. So this is all this, like everything is backwards and upside down reality stuff showing us that, that yeah, to if we want to become better parents, the first thing is to clean our bodies and tune in and align mind, body, emotion, soul. And then as a side effect, we get really clear signals from our future babies about those life choices that we can align to. Like, where do you want to live? And all of this stuff includes them in the decision-making process, even before they're incarnated, right? So you're, there's space yeah. in your life for all of that. Right. So so imagine that your future babies are watching your every move on those screens in space, as Kareem says. Right. So they're like, huh, that feels like a good life. I think there's space for me over there. Then they jump in and start talking to you and community. And maybe some people don't have quite as like overt of messages, but they people can feel right. A dream, a sensation, a little tap a little feeling when they go to a certain place like, wow, I don't know why I really want to live here. That could be your future baby talking to you. This mm. feels really good. The old me wouldn't have wanted this, but this feels really good. This feels like a space where I would have space for a baby here. Right? So listen yeah. to all of that intuitive guidance. So, so then when you're pregnant, the choices includes this person. It's like this, this new paradigm of everything is win, win, win. A collaborative, harmonious consensus is made between, say, you and your partner and your future baby. You're always tuning into that intuitive guidance, right? Then they're in your belly. You talk to them every day and like, hey, baby, how's it going? What would you like to eat? So your food choices isn't based on what the so-called experts out there are telling you space of this inner guidance and of course you listen to the experts and match it together right but but who's the boss of that decision making now there's two or three of you to all put together into one consciousness to make the choice that's right for everybody in the family right this baby isn't somebody that you're doing something to 
this baby, this is their life, right? We get the incredible honor of being a vessel and facilitator and collaborator in their life now. So we get collaborative in all the medical decisions during the pregnancy and the birth and how that evolved for us was naturally, this baby definitely wanted to be home birth, not hospital. It wanted a gentle birth where it's welcomed into the world in a warm and comfortable and sacred environment. So I understand why people make the choices putting their kids in those, you know, race zombie factories, because from the get-go, it's already set into motion a certain reality for them, right? And so some people, we segregate this into like, oh, what's the most healthy birthing choice? What's the best preschool? Should I vaccinate or should I not vaccinate? Should I, it's like, that's the, those are the wrong conversations. It's really who is, what is a human? And who is this being that is choosing to come through you with your facilitation? Like step way back and reorient from that level first. And then all those decisions about birth and early childhood and attachment parenting and co-sleeping and the school choices, it all reorients very easily and naturally. So I think the conversation is like, okay, so what does the new human look like? Yeah. Right. And, 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 and one thing is interesting to me is it's hard for people to wrap their heads around this because we have a lot of obviously children being born into very um, disparate, very sad situations, right. In places that are war torn or parents who are abusive. There's a lot of dark night of the soul stuff happening right now. And I have been listening to a lot of Rudolf Steiner again, his lectures on this stuff. Because uh, I think he's just so brilliant and kind of his spirit science of, of laying out how this incarnation stuff works. But <clears throat> what would your theory be there on, would that be the kind of the old model of the reincarnated souls stuck in a loop that gets, because what he'll often talk about and others talk about who are tapped into a lot of this stuff, um, whether this be through uh, uh, past life regression or out of body experience stuff, or they or or near death experience, uh, uh, is that it seems to be that some souls or people have a, a lifetime of of reincarnations together, where they experience lives over and over again together, and they seem to be t these kids and parents and friends and family come back. In, and experience together, could it be that this new, uh, these new beings coming in for the first time, they're here to welcome in a new age. And that might explain why we have some that are cycling through very kind of dark experiences where others such as yourself, Dr. E, who has done the inner work and has, is very tapped in, gets to have this kind of new experience with this, this new type of child. I think we're probably going through the last decade of that paradigm even existing anymore. And I think um, I was actually talking with Jasmine Heen and she was like, you know, there, the world, the old world of duality, there is a, is a great um, school, a, a great lesson playground, you know, for learning and growth for a certain type of soul. If you're ready to pack up and leave duality and go into what she calls unity consciousness, you know, like Charles Eisenstein calls it um, separation to interbeing, those states of 
you know, those old paradigm, new paradigm terms, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if you're ready to pack up and leave that paradigm and go to the new one, like many of us are already living in this reality now. Mm -hmm. And there are those that still need to play that out. And you can feel like, yeah, they live in apparently what looks like the same world, but, but they don't, your communities, you notice that you might read about them, but the vibe is so different that they, you feel like you're just witnessing that from afar with love and compassion and the sincere desire that they learn what they need to learn quickly. So there's not too much suffering. Cause you know, you're, you, you, when I watch some of this stuff, I just, the tears start coming. It's like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. And we'll you know, Edith, learn. let's learn the lessons. Mm-hmm. Let's pack up. There's a way beautiful playground over here to explore so much awesomeness. Come on over. You know, there's tears in my heart and tears in my eyes when I witness some of that stuff going on because people don't actually, people have forgotten so much who they really are and who their children are. So all these abusive paradigms is it's such a deep forgetting. And in my opinion, a lot of unnecessary struggle and suffering and maybe it's necessary for them. But those of us listening to this podcast is like, let we're done with that game. Let's pack up and move over here. Yeah. You, you know, Edith, I echo everything you're saying. There are a lot of us that are ready to just hit the ground running. And I know, you know, Deb and I kind of came in hardwired a little bit different and, you know, had different experiences and, and ahead of time had a very clear communication with our kids as well. And we're very well aware of prior agreements in place and very well aware that uh, they chose us, you know? And so um, anybody, you know, I'm watching the thread here a little bit. Hey, Bear, you broke up for us a little bit. Could you repeat that part about the kid children choosing you? I believe is what you said. Sorry, you, it was hard to hear you there. Okay. Yeah. Tell me if I'm Okay. Um, so we were very well aware, you know, prior ag- agreements in place with our own kids and that there's a much bigger picture and it wasn't just us having a baby because it was our, you know, desire. And we also knew that we all had an agenda together and that they had their individual agendas. And our job was to provide that space so that they could achieve their purpose. Now, what you're talking is the next level of souls that are incarnating, that really don't have time, just like a lot of us now, uh, I really don't have time to sit here on a computer and watch all the bad stuff going on in the world. You know, I get it, but that's not my reality. I don't want to give it my life. You know, we have things that we're creating and these souls that are coming in, they don't have time for that nonsense anymore. I think, you know, one more comment that we might all consider Um, it's very easy to look at other circumstances, you know, kids that come in, they get aborted or they, you know, grow up in just horrible circumstances. We don't know. You can't judge good, bad, because that's part of the duality mindset in itself. You don't know what that soul needs. That is actually going to be the perfect experience. that is going to free them and allow them to go on to that next octave in the first place. So again, if we sit back and we say, oh, this doesn't make any sense. What about all these poor kids that are being abused and everything? Yeah, it's horrible. And we're doing everything possible to change the world so that doesn't have to 
overstay its welcome any longer. But at the same time, there's a lot of loose ends that all of us are kind of cleaning up and we're all getting the perfect experience. And if your kids are born in your situation and they come in where the veils are real thin and just have a clear memory and you're there, you've prepared your temple so that their Merkaba, you know, is free of uh, energetic uh, interference so that they can just have a pure um, you know, download of, of, of the truth, you know, into their being and carry on their mission, then obviously they're going to come in through you. Uh, the other kids that have a different experience, well, they're getting exactly what they need. Yeah. And I know that sounds terrible and I'm not suggesting that we, you know, uh, like seeing kids being abused and all that, but it's, it's not going to happen much longer on this planet. In fact, it's coming to an end right now. Yeah, and and all of that, those of us that are witnessing it from afar with compassion, that thank you for saying about the loose ends is giving us opportunity to tie up the loose ends within our being and do some compassion and forgiveness work, right? Because like I'm I'm in my 40s and I've grown up in the old paradigm, and there are old resentments and old unhealed traumas and wounds that I don't I'm choosing not to repeat those patterns in my family, but by witnessing it. I can breathe some love into those fragments of my being that still needs healing so that at a, when I, my children get to a certain stage of their development, I don't have to have it really happen to us for me to work that out. I get this beautiful opportunity of witnessing the world going through as muckety muck and using that as an opportunity for me to heal those residues that's still left within me. This is profound stuff, so, you know. Oh, it, it's amazing. Okay, so uh, how many parents out there are ready for a luminous child? Because you have to be a bit of a luminous pres uh, parent to begin with. So tell us more about your program and uh, how you're helping cultivate this whole new wave of uh, a whole new paradigm. So I think it's helpful to, um, you guys all know about David Hawkins, like levels of consciousness map. Yeah, I, I think your audience may have heard it, heard about this. So David Hawkins has this map that is, uh, he calls it on a scale of a thousand. And I'd love to hear um, Dr. Bear, your take on it. So he um, he's calibrated the different, what do you call them? Frequency states or energetic states that's associated with emotional levels because we know that emotions, the driving force of our physical reality Right. So when you're coming to a situation with the level of fear or guilt or shame, you have a certain reality when you're coming to it with a sense of neutrality, you have a different reality when you come to it with pure love or pure joy or in a fully awakened, enlightened state, you have a different reality and your actions manifest differently. Right. So I find it a helpful model that no models are ever totally perfect. But I find it a helpful model to be like, okay, when you're a human at this certain consciousness level, then all of your decisions look different and your actions look different and your manifestations of your, your actual life is very different. So um, he shares that as you go up the scale, you start with, um, Mike, any chance you can pull up the, the graphic for the map? It's like guilt, fear, and shame. And then it gets to anger, pride, and then it gets to courage. So 200 is the level of courage. He says, at the level of 200, you start to be interested in personal growth. You start to feel empowered that you can do something to create a better life. So all the old 
advice for more conscious parenting or, you know, all the things that we hear about out there, that happens starting at the level of 200. What we're talking about is something else. As you go up 200 all the way to 500, you go through these levels of your evolution where you're learning personal and spiritual growth tools, tactics, strategies. Then you hit the 500 level, which is the level of love, where now synchronicities and flow and ease dominates, where you're aligned and present enough that you you see the perfection that is already at play and you start to work with that instead of resisting it. You realize you don't have to control everything. And it becomes so much easier and more fun now. You don't have to keep trying so hard and doing everything all the time. It turns out your children have encoded within them a perfect blueprint already. It turns out it was never your job to try to control, manipulate, or do something with that. It's your job to step back and witness and admire it, admire the beauty of it and choose to learn and just appreciate it. Like they're here to show us something, step back and let them teach. Stop trying to control and manipulate all of it, right? So at the level of 500, all of your life is like that, including your parent game. And then you keep going to joy and peace and enlightenment. And, you know, there's there's more and more levels of of, of stepping back and allowing and alignment and just witnessing the pure beauty and perfection of all of it. So I recently came across this really interesting couple. Um, Their name is Elena and Alejandro. And they have a company called Holistic with a W. And they have really cool YouTube videos. I am not associated with them, but I'd like to meet them because they seem like a really cool couple. And so they've been calibrating like, uh, you know, Tony Fauci, Bill Gates, Oprah, all these like public figures, like what is the level of consciousness that they're operating from? And then they did this really interesting um, humans and star seeds and they've calibrated all the different um civilizations of alien uh, you know multi-dimensional beings and what consciousness levels that they're operating at was super interesting they also calibrated all the jabs and they they found that the jabs were all like 20 or 50 on the scale of a thousand you know so i find this model helpful to be like what vibe is everything tuned into So if you're at the vibe of 500, 600, 700, like why would you even consider putting something that's 20 into your body? 20 is basically death, right? So these jabs, they're able to discern that this is the vibe, you know, that it comes from, some people say the jabs is coming from a fear paradigm. According to them, it's really coming from a shame paradigm. It's not even that good. It's not at the level of fear. It's lower than that. So your parent game, if you're 500, would you ever shame your children? Do you just even, that doesn't, that's not in your reality bubble. That's just so not in resonance with you. You don't even, it doesn't, it doesn't happen anymore, right? So you don't, you're not drawn to parenthood advice about how not to shame your children because you just don't do that. Right, so I find this model so helpful and in um, the holistic channel, they did this calibration of humanity 
Because Dr. David Hawkins said back in the harmonic convergence in the 80s, humanity finally flipped up into 200 plus. It's like we were sub 200. So power versus force, his, his big famous book is talking about when you flip up to above 200, you go from force into power. But it turns out now humanity is at 230, according to Elena and Alejandro's measurements. And starting in 2013, I had chills when they said this. They discovered a new wave of children that are coming through, starting their life journey at 500 plus. They're starting at 500 plus. And I guess uh, Sacha Stone is a friend of theirs and said, hey, there's some, uh, he got some news that from a scientist that something big, some big shift, planetary wide shift is going to happen in the year 2046. So they were curious. They were like, let's measure humanity in the year 2046 and see if we're going to be at a higher or lower level. Like, where's it going to go? And they discovered that on average, humanity will be in the 400s in that year. So now we're in the 200s on average. And in 2046, we'll get up to 400s. But this generation of children that is incarnating starting in 2013 what I call luminous kids, they had a different name for it, is going through an evolution where they will be in the mid 700s. So 700 to 1000 uh -huh. is full integration and enlightenment. So how could you possibly imagine yourself putting this type of human in a zombie factory type of school? It's unfathomable to you. So you don't even consider it in your mind. It's like, of course, that's not an option. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. The option that's available is, okay, if I'm facilitating and accompanying a being whose evolution is starting at pure love and they're going into full enlightenment and full integration, full embodiment of the full power that is possible while you're in human form, if that's their journey they're going through, shit, I got a lot of work to do on myself to be able to handle that level of potency of humanness in my household, mm -hmm. right? What yeah. do I, it's yeah. like, so it's not about what can you do for your child at all. It's like, what do I have to do for me to be able to handle that kind of power happening in my house? And what does it look yeah. like? You know, if you tried to control and manipulate a child that is 600, 700, they would just be like, no. So this is how our child was like, no, I'm not going to school. Ha, 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 ha. He just like runs away. He makes it impossible for you to grab him. Like, you can't, I'm not going to like put him in a straitjacket and stick him in a school, right? That's what it would have taken to get him into a school. He wants to be like, he's like a mad scientist. He's exploring, he's doing experiments. He's like, he's got three different entrepreneurial projects going on right now and then and then he loses interest he got he has to climb a tree when he's climbing a tree he has these insights then he goes back and does his math science project like he needs to be he's tapped into multi-dimensional realities constantly and it would be abused to control that he needs to be free to explore all of it and it's very clear if you just step back and just witness it it'll be crystal clear and the right actions and decisions in terms of like school and all of that, it's just shown to you. So you don't need a lot of rules. I know sometimes people are like, oh, she's going to go talk about parenthood. Like, 
what is like the top 10 steps or whatever. And I can come up with some simple, like timeless principles to guide us. But really, it's just about stepping back, witnessing your child. And then it will become obvious when you need to step in to facilitate or assist a little bit. You know? And a lot of these kids choosing less than favorable uh, circumstances are, of course, there to instruct their parents and help them wake up and free their parents up. So that's I believe it's more going in that direction. You know, you talk about these different levels. I'm not sure exactly how they're doing these measurements, but in uh, you know circles that I travel with, we are very accurately measuring these different electronic levels. And there's been people on the planet for a long time that have described exactly how the dual vortex works and how we have information that comes in from consciousness compresses and then, you know, goes in a, in an opposite cycle to constantly renew with a divine plan. And of course we've been in this uh, kind of exclusive compression cycle, which is why we experience death and aging and all the problems we have. And um, you know, those of us that are trying to wake up, of course, we're realizing that our body is the microcosm of this whole universal creative schematic and, and that we can actually use our own vehicles as a way to race through the octaves. Uh, you know, Abraham Hicks has a great way of explaining it as far as playing the musical scale up to the emotions, you know, where anger is not a bad thing. It's only bad if you or detrimental if you stay there. Uh, but then, you, you know, anger is better than depression because then you're just stagnated and stuck at the bottom of the scale anger your emotion is kind of moving and now the next level is bring it up to the heart level because we have this transmutation uh you know vehicle that will take energy and transmute it in any level we want and those lower emotions that we think of them they aren't really lower they're just, uh, they get distorted. Like when we're in our, you know, survival and our egoic centers and our sacral centers, they only become distorted when we aren't connected and allowing the whole cycle to, you know, reoccur every single moment. And so a lot of the kids that are coming in, of course, are, you know, have that perfect balance. Those of us that are still trying to figure it out, we use our own vehicles, you know, old martial arts trick is if you're in fear or in a, in a bad situation, you know, you have the discipline to use your mind to raise your energy to any level of those octaves so that you can think clearly, uh, you know, be instantly ahead of the game and learn how to navigate through this, uh, this whole reality and come out unscathed. Sorry, you were about to say something. Yeah, that's so profound. So this is where this is a beautiful example of how when we do the inner work and you understand the mechanism of how that works, that unfolds naturally when your child has, say, a temper tantrum, right? Like the way that you accompany and facilitate them in moving through those layers of emotions and helping him to alchemize that, it starts to create establish a pattern of how he chooses to be a human. So it's not so much about exactly what words you say, but how you accompany them and energetically, like you become a shaman and alchemist to accompany and witness that, that, that beautiful unfoldment and refinement of his vessel that happens when he has a temper tantrum. And it's like a beautiful thing to witness the blossoming and unfoldment of that too, right? So people are missing out by trying to like stifle their children and control them. It's more like you 
are a healer, a therapist, a shaman, whatever, and that you step back and you witness and you allow both of you to learn and grow from these experiences together as a family. Um, there's just so much. And the more I'm in this living this life, the more I realize, wow, we missed out big time. There's so much richness and beauty that we had been missing out on. And now we get to really see the whole glory and awesomeness that's possible. So you were before you were about to ask me about the programs with these children. And so the education piece is, a, again, a deep listening to the inner curriculum that is already available in this child. It's a journey of discovering what that inner curriculum already is. They're coming in with a divine blueprint that is requesting to be supported in its blossoming and manifestation in physical realm. So instead of reading all the parenthood books out there, the most important book to study is your own inner blueprint and your child's inner blueprint. And so when the child's like, oh, I want to learn this, 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 this whole, yeah, that's supported. That's what we're here to do is to discover what that inner blueprint is. Tell me more. Well, how do you want me to help you? Okay, it's so easy. You don't even have to plan it. The child will tell you everything that you need to do. So stop reading all those. I mean, I'm not saying there are great experts out there that offer some good tools, tactics, and strategies, but at some point you're going to outgrow those because the real tools, tactics, and strategies is already within you and within your child. Listen for that. And so our child's like, I don't want to go to school anymore. And then at first we resisted. There was some kicking and screaming. And then and then we took him out of school and we just witnessed awesomeness happening. He's like learning and growing and he wants to start a pear store. Now he wants to do a lemonade stand. And then he made the lemonade stand and he's budgeting, getting more tools and, and you know, like hiring helpers to build. He's six years old, right? And then, and now um, how can I um, take that lemonade stand and turn that money and do some really cool project with it? And that's going to turn into this other project where they're like, <laughs> the multidimensional realities is all being just spoken through them and it's like okay well do you need help no go ahead do your thing you need help yes okay you need help to research this one little piece of your big cosmic plan i'm here for you so the education is so profound because our child is six now and if he was in school i'm not really sure what he would be doing he'd be like learning to do workbooks and abcs and there are some really great schools out there of course but with our child um there was this like people are always asking the children hey kid what grade are you in and he's like mama what what does that mean <laughs> why does everybody want to know that and then they say hey kid what do you want to be when you grow up and it's like I'm somebody now. Why would you be constantly asking people this, like someday, someday, someday you'll be somebody. So it's very strange, right? And you can see energetically when you talk to a kid and say, hey kid, what do you wanna be someday? Energetically, you can see that the being leaves their center and they go out. They become more of an empty shell of themselves. Versus when you ask a child, hey, kid, what are, you, what are you into right now? What's super fun for you? When you talk about fun stuff, you see the child be in their heart more and it lights up and glows brighter. 
isn't that the cultivation we want to be? So be precise with how you interact with the children that brings them more fully into embodying themselves, into the blossoming and, you know, from the inside out. The words you speak, you can see has that effect on the child, right? Are you using your words wisely to invite them to go deeper within themselves for that journey of discovery? Or are you inviting the child to leave themselves to be dissociated basically energetically? That's what happens when you have these conversations with the kid, right? So it doesn't even have to be some kind of overt trauma like physical abuse or something. It's a kind of energetic trauma. When you talk to kids like, hey kids, someday you'll be somebody. What do you want to be when you grow up? It's actually not very kind. So anyway, so my it's child more, though, it's had, more like, what do you want to be right now? <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, what are you right now? And do you yeah. want me to offer some support for you to be more of yourself? You know, so um, my child was like, I was watching this really interesting documentary called The Twelve, about 12 indigenous elders coming together. They went to UN in New York and did this whole ceremony to heal the planet. It was really beautiful. And it's a very adult film. It's not a kid's film at all. But my child, my boy, uh, Kabrin was like, oh my goodness, mama, can we watch that again and again? He loved it so much. It's a very mature film with beautiful cinematography and a little bit of talking, just mostly witnessing these elders doing ceremony. He said, mama, now I know when I grow up, I'm going to be an elder. So when people are like, hey, kid, what are you going to be when you grow up an elder? <laughs> Great, awesome answer to that question. Um, so I was I had a little thought bubble about other aspects of this. Oh, um, so I don't know what they're doing in school. People are always saying like, hey, kid, what grade are you in? And he's like, I, I guess I'll figure out how to answer that. And technically he's in kindergarten slash first grade. So he's learned to answer it, but he has no idea what that means, right? So when he got pretty good at adding up to 20, he was always asking me, mama, can you buy this toy, buy that toy, buy that toy? And I was like, you know what? Why don't I just give you $20? You can add up to 20. We'll have a $20 a month allowance. And that's it. No other toys. Just $20, you buy whatever you like. You have complete freedom to choose as long as nobody hurts, gets hurt, right? So we have a rule. He's allowed to explore everything. But if he gets something like a gun or weapony type of thing, he's allowed to explore all of that too, but no hurting other people. So this is like natural law or, you know, it's just like you're free to make any choice as long as nobody is hurt. That seems like a great parenthood rule of thumb to have in the household and that allows our ch children to grow up to understand those very simple principles we don't have to have all of these com complicated rules and laws go back to what does you know natural law and common law look like in terms of the roles that you play out in your household too right mm -hmm. um so he was like 20 dollars. that's not enough huh and he started thinking like oh $20 is not enough. How can I turn it into more? So there's all these conversations. I was like, okay, if I save the $20, the next month I'll have 40 and then I can buy a cooler toy. No, I'm going to invest that money and start a lemonade stand. That's what I'm going to do. So he's been doing the lemonade stand. And then we go running. We're running in the trails together and climbing this rock. And often it's when he's in the middle of climbing a tree or climbing our favorite rock, he calls thank you rock. 
when we're on Thank You Rock, a lot of insights happen. So I'm just going for a hike, exercising my body with him, enjoying a good time. But that's when the schooling, finger quote, and the learning is all happening. When we're in the middle of hiking in the trail and climbing the rock, he's like, Mama, what if we had a duplicator machine? Then I can spend $20 and then get a toy and then that will become two toys and then that will become four toys and then that will become eight toys. And this was actually back when he was still just five. I was like, and then what? He's like, and then eight becomes 16 and then 16 toys become, become, become uh, 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 32. I'm like, okay, honey, keep going. And then what? And then, and then, and then, and he had to take time. And then he figured out 64 and I had to help him with 128. I'm like, here's a five-year-old child that just learned exponential math. Wow. Are they doing that in school? And that all happened because I didn't want to spend money on toys. And the $20 of limitations, because he's a limitless being, manifested in doing all this entrepreneurial ideas and budgeting and planning and so many things. And it turned into conversations like he was just, you know, kids strewn shit all around the house and is a mess. And I'm like, honey, all of your allowance. Oh, we lost her. We lost, uh, Barrett looks like no, we did. Okay. Well, I'll, I'm sure she'll be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it is interesting, uh, what she's talking about right there. And it's a very classical unschooling approach of learning arithmetic via, uh, the children's interest in something like that. Right. Um, versus going through the, now the new curriculum, which I tried to do when my kids were still going to regular school with math. And it was like, so just horrendous. That's <laughs> like, I hate this, you know? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, what we did with our kids with math is um, to take it out of the abstract and get more into just uh, the multidimensionality of what it really means is uh, I made up flashcards and there's just all these uh, clusters, irregular clusters of dots. And on the back, it had the numerical abstraction. And uh, so our kids, uh, you know, we start with one through 100 and you can just hold up, you know, 37. They just go 37. They just recognize it because that other part of the brain could recognize. And, and then not until we kind of developed that part of themselves did we get into actually abstractions. Oh, here's Edith. Good. Yeah. Math is a trip. <laughs> it's so we go down the math. Oh, they could just more. recognize everything by looking at it. Yeah, that is so cool. Hey, Edith, we lost And that's what the mind's capable of. Yeah, but we start with abstractions in conventional school. Sorry about Oh, you're that. back inside there. But the, the computer did finally overheat. I wanted to get back to that, that middle of the story about the $20 and all the, like, Please I'm do. giving you- Are you sure? Are you sure he wasn't just trying to work you to get up to 64 bucks? <laughs> yes. So, um, so this is a taster. I hope, you know, it's not about the 20 bucks. I hope people can see that it's about I get it. just the, the, the expression of infinite possibilities that can happen in your household. If you choose to just step back and witness these possibilities as a parent, right? So for example, our uh, boy was strewning all his money all over the ground. And Dave was like, Corinne, yeah, your money, your hard-earned money is just like strewn on the ground. You need to keep take care of your stuff here. 
And, uh, you know, what if you like have your money and then you drop it on the ground and you lose all your money that you work so hard to earn. And he was like, thought about it. And he was like, yeah, but let's say I drop my money and a guy that is really hungry come across it on the street. And he'll probably use that money and buy a sandwich because he's really hungry. And this guy who's hungry, he buys a sandwich and after he eats the sandwich, he'll feel better. And then when he feels better, he'll decide to do something better with his life. And then he might maybe start a business or get a job or something like that. And he'll do stuff that is good for his life with his energy from the sandwich. And then if he gets a good job, then he'll make a lot more money and the $5 could turn into a really good life with a lot more money for him. So it's not bad if I dropped it. <laughs> that was his response to Dave, right? So the 20 bucks turned into so many interesting things. And as a side effect of it, starting all these stores and entrepreneurial projects, he's doing lots of research. He's measuring proportions with his lemonade stand and fine tuning the, the formulation each and every week, right? First week he had four mason jars and then he decided to do six because he sold out too fast, then eight. And then we we're like, oh, does that mean next week you'll do 10? And he's like, yeah, 10 and 12 and 14. And so he's learning like math sequence in these conversations he's learning about proportions he's budgeting he decided he needed better equipment so he's budgeting for new equipment and all these things are happening in a six-year-old's life when i was six i didn't get any opportunity to explore all of this and i had no idea that when you offer that opportunity so much learning and growth and he's typing on the computer he doesn't fully read and write yet, but he, he, he never would do ABCs in a workbook. I tried and he's like, do like one A like, mama, this is crazy. This is not fun at all. And he would run away and go, ha, 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 run away. And so I kept trying until, you know, the pear store, the lemonade stand, all of this. He's like, oh, I need to write a sign. And then it's like, well, we want to write it really beautiful. So you have customers. So he's getting really good at his handwriting because it serves a purpose. The beauty of his handwriting is helping his entrepreneurial project, right? Mm. And he's learning to type on the computer and research things because he is all serving a very specific purpose. And I know in the unschooling world, everybody already knows that, but all those, that wisdom and all of those things are proving out really strongly in our lives that, that the unschooling way is the only way to support these infinite cosmic beings who have come to earth to show a new possibility to us yeah i'm doing the same so with, you're, uh, uh sorry bear I didn't mean to step on you go ahead no i was just gonna ask uh, edith it sounds pretty apparent that the luminous program is really more to get the parents trained and uh leave the kids alone because the kids are just fine when they come in yeah so with the luminous kids um for example, we watch another movie about these uh, these people that can perceive blindfold and bend spoons and all of this. And Mike has taken one of my spoon bending classes. You know, I'm not an expert. I just play with all this stuff. And I'm so happy to have friends, like-minded friends to play with spoon bending and remote viewing and all these cosmic possibilities that, that really there are natural human gifts to explore, you know, that everybody has the possibility. So with my boy, he was like, mama, I wanna learn how to see blindfolded. And so he, then we took a little blindfold class 
and very quickly they get activated. All these kids, like especially if you're five to nine, is and they're they have a clean body, they have a you know clean vessel, not too many say toxins or heavy metals or poisons that's muckety mucking their their circuitry. They activate so fast. And so he can read, he went from not being able to, not being willing to even write a single A on his ABC's workbook to being able to read whole books blindfolded, wow. <laughs> you know? And so that's just all him saying, I'm interested in that. Can you facilitate me in researching how to learn it? And then when he does, the possibility it's has shown to you is just like, will blow your mind. And so with Luminous, my Luminous Kids and Family program, it's true what you're saying there. Most of it is about supporting the parents on this journey. And so we have a Luminous Kids class where we do intuition games. We do fun uh, Qigong practices. We call it thank you body though. We don't call it Qigong. We do a little pat down. We breathe into our lower Dantian, all this breathing stuff. It's just a thank you body. Thank you body. Take a deep breath. Thank you body. You know, and we chat, our chit chat is like, hey, did you guys do thank you body today? And then we talk about things like, you know, I like to do thank you body when I poo poo in the morning. Is that funny? He 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 with the kids, right? I'm like, when I poo poo in the morning, I look in the toilet and I look at my poo poo and say, oh, poo poo, good poo poo. Thank you, body. Thank you, <laughs> belly, for making such a good poo poo. Or if I have a, not a good poo poo, I say, thank you, body, for getting rid of the poo poo that's yuckety yuck so my body feels better, right? Like, that it just comes out in conversation with these kids when the parents have done their work because that's how you're choosing to see life and see reality. So our kids are doing sacred geometry. They're doing flower of life, seed of life, all these different things, like all kinds of building, all kinds of cool stuff. And they just drive it. I just say, hey kids, what do you want to learn? I love the seed of life. Can we do flower of life? And now we're doing other like sacred geometrical patterns that, that are different and also beautiful. And then they come up with ideas like, oh, can we make a seed of life shaped uh, a pencil holder and so I'll research and I accompany the kids and we do it or the kids are like oh can we make a model of a store so we just find like uh, cardboard boxes and then they build up these intricate amazing stores inside a cardboard box with all the stores and the menu and the the price sheets and the credit card machines. And then they've got all these, like they designed the logos are so cute and so fun. We had a project where we started um, building up models of what we remember of space from before we incarnated onto earth. So we're still working on that because it's like such a big project. We do it in piecemeal. So my boy's got this whole cardboard situation where he's got like, this is the dark part of space and this is the rainbow part this is where in space you can listen to amazing music that with sounds that's not available on planet earth and there's this color when you're in space before you come to planet earth that i've never seen on planet earth and i don't know how to express that and here's the space babies and here's all your caretakers when you're in space and here's the portal where you jump in to come to planet earth so they for their arts and crafts they're doing projects like this and it's just like these are just like natural expressions of the children and sometimes and we haven't done this with the class my boy's like mama can you show me how to bend a spoon I'm like I'll try you imagine the spoon getting really soft and really hot and then just bends by itself and the first time he did it all these things 
are, you know, it just happens in these little moments of insights and inspiration. And because they're not sitting in class, not breathing oxygen, not getting sunshine, fresh air, not climbing trees and touching rocks, they get to explore all of this. So it seems incredible to me, to people. It seems incredible that you would have, you know, kid five, six, seven, eight years old that can see blindfolded that are into entrepreneurial projects that are doing exponential math. But actually we all, I mean, there's grief. Like we all had that capacity actually. It's just that that got squashed. And now we unsquash yeah. it and just step back and witness the beauty and magic that's, that, that was always available. We just didn't permit it to blossom. And I think the, the main affliction uh, of humanity is frustration because we've all had our creativity, our, you know, that, that divine spark in all of us just suppressed. We are here, we're creative beings. You know, when I was uh, a school kid, I just resisted it with everything I had. And I was a horrible troublemaker. And, you know, it, not till later years did I figure out, you know, why I was such uh, created so much mischief and everything. It's just because it just I did not want to be there. I didn't want to be stifled. And then, you you know, you're talking about, uh, you know, the conventional system says, well, what do you want to be? You know, you're you're dragging kids into the future and, you know just cultivating an attitude of there's no such thing of being in the present. And geez, maybe that might have something to do with uh, the majority of adults out there who figure out what they want to be when they grow up, all end up having midlife crises and, and coming to that, you know, that ultimate question, like what, this is life, you know, this is it. I go to my job and I do this and that. And then at the same time, we force our kids into the same model so, um, yeah, it, it has to change and uh, the lower emotions and the frustrations and all the things that are used against us will never end until we stop thwarting our kids. Yeah, a lot of times when I work with coaching adults in my clinical practice and also in my um, coaching work, people come, people come in because they want to discover their their true purpose. And when I talk with my boy about that, and when I grow, my girl grows up, I'm really excited to hear from her too. Um, it's more like, how did they forget it? What happened? It's not about finding your purpose. It's like, what happened that pulled you away from your purpose all along? And when we let go of all those things that yanked us away from our center, from our core, you are your purpose all the time. You are love in action all the time versus this weird thing where you grasp like a hungry ghost, seeking love, seeking fulfillment, seeking happiness. To these children, they see that. It's like, what, what happened there? How strange. You are love, you are joy, you are divine purpose and manifestation with every breath of your being all the time. Why are you asking kids what they want to be when they grow up? What happened to you? There's this like, like, look on the children's face when they look at you and they don't, they just, they know they have this wisdom. Maybe they don't articulate it quite yet because it's hard to find the words, but they kind of look at the person like, 
like energetically, what, what happened here? So I can see with my child and sometimes he tells me, right? He'll tell me things like, mama, did you know that there are some people that they, they don't, um, they just have a, they just like have a body, but they don't go to space when they sleep. Like he says things like this, like he's like, when we're awake, we're all here in our body, but half of us is still in space. When we go to sleep, half of us is in our body and all of us is in space. And then when we die, we just, all of us is in space. And he says all these things about, he's like, he's like, mama, when I die, don't burn my body. Don't burn my body, okay? He said it to me like a dozen times. Mama, please make sure when I die, do not burn my body. Why, honey? Because it takes time for you to go back to space. I was like, but you've never been to planet Earth. How do you know? He's like, well, before I jumped into the portal, there was a guy that had just come back from planet Earth. To, he told me, he was like, remember when you die, I don't know, kids have a distorted sense of time. And he's like, it'll take a year for you to completely come back to space. So don't burn your body in that first year. That's what he says. Mm -hmm. So he'll say, share all of these things. And then he's like, mama, did you know there are some people that they just kind of have a body, but they, they don't have the part that goes to space. Like when they sleep, they just sleep. Is that weird? I don't know what that is. Like he'll, I, and I don't know what that is either, right? But he'll <laughs> say stuff like that. And NPCs. Then say, oh my God. And then he will say like, um, mama, when we were in the trails, those people that were looking at their phones. Oh, what did he say? I have to recall exactly. It was something like they were unsold, but I didn't remember exactly how he articulated it was like they they just he somehow expressed that they weren't actually in their body and it was very weird to see people that that weren't that were just like gone they're like uninsold shells of meat suits looking at their phone and he just he struggled with that we're driving in the car he's like what about those people why were they they were like you know those two people that were looking at their phones they were they were they were i don't i don't he kept like wanting to understand how is it possible that people are so fragmented in this reality that they can become so dissociated and completely out of their body and totally uninsold how is that what happened here yeah. So I, you know, I have to do a lot of inner work and discovery to help him make sense of such a messed up world, right? And then, and then this desire, he says, when I grow up, I'm going to do help well, like you too, because people keep asking him, he's like, I think I'll probably do some kind of help well, but not the same help well that you do a different kind of help well. So he's just witnessing, he's watching the patterns. And he's looking He's like a cosmic anthropologist, like what happened in this realm? And it's really beautiful to see if we, we support our children in this way that they can stay fully aligned and centered within themselves and they can witness the craziness of the world. They're actually really, really street smart in a way that I think just even calling it street smart is not, I, I struggle with the words, right? Cause these, these kids, they, if we are support them in the right way, they can be tapped into multidimensional layers of reality. But this whole idea of like, don't talk to strangers. 
he can just sense he can be like is this person radiating pure intentions from their heart or not he knows the moment he interacts with them like you know now he has some um like some skills to just keep his mouth shut but when he was four or five he used to be like mama let's not go check out at that counter at the grocery store that guy's heart is not happy i don't want to be at his stand i want to go to this guy's stand because i he has a happy heart from afar like you can't even see right and these days all the store people have have you know this cover it's all covered but he can still sense like oh that's the guy that's the happy guy that I want to interact with when we check out at the store and so I love that they, they can they can witness all the craziness of our world and they're narrating for us so they're great teachers and I'm like he's pointing out these all these interesting anomalies about our society and really I'm the student here He's pointing it out and he's opening my eyes and then I get to see like, oh yeah, that's really interesting. What happened to humanity that so many of us became uninsoled, fragmented, dissociated and how can we help them? So then, then sometimes we'll talk like, hey, if we end up getting to that station with the guy whose heart is not very happy, maybe we can do some work and send him good energy and help him come back to his body. What do you think? So we do this kind of like work, right? Like, okay, well, we're gonna interact with that guy so we can let him drag us down or we can lift him up. We have that choice. So before we go to the counter, it's like, okay, let's bring happy energy to him. And then we go there and then we're like, how are you doing? And we bring happy energy and we witness him come back to his body, his heart blossoms open again. And then we can debrief about it in the car, you know? So have fun with this life and, um, to me, this is a whole level of education that's available to all of us, to the parent, to the child alike, if we choose to see it that way. And I know in the unschooling world, there's, they're always saying, hey, you don't need to sit in a prison-like building to learn. That's the worst way to learn. You can learn every, everywhere, you know, on the streets and nature, all this stuff. And I think, um, I think, this paradigm that we're calling luminous kids and families is taking that to a whole other level of possibilities of choosing to embody the new beautiful reality as a human. And what does that look like when you wake up in the morning, brush your teeth, go to the store, all those practical, seemingly mundane activities of life can be so rich with lessons and growth and education and so much awesomeness available for the parent, not just for the kid, like allowing our kids to actually show us a new way Just step back and let them teach. Yeah. You know, and, and there's, <laughs> I was go just, ahead. Mike. I was just going to say what, you know, it's helping us unlearn, right? Because clearly most of us who went through the traditional schooling system, even myself and Bear and I've talked about going through the Catholic schooling system. We did, we were, um, our, our brightness was relinquished a bit, right? It was, we were forced into this, this paradigm in a way that um, has kind of made us think in certain ways, even though we've gone, I've personally gone through a lot of unlearning, but these kids are helping us unlearn all that stuff. And the way Walter Russell's, you know, talked about how we, we only need an educate third grade education to understand any of this stuff. So it's, it's really amazing that we're really going back to school in a way. Go ahead, Bear. I was going to ask uh, 
ask you if, uh, Edith, I know that you've um, been studying biogeometry yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a friend who's a Waldorf teacher, and he's st- teaching his uh, students biogeometry. And I think it's one of those great tools on the planet right now because, you know, you get a little bit of left brain training, but basically you're using that to tap into all those other electronic levels that, you know, you're talking about. So it's really training the kids to tap into the full spectrum of the 12 senses that Rudolf Steiner talks about versus the five imaginary senses, which really don't tell you what we think they're telling us. Yeah, I love I love that you bring that up. So there's all these awesome tools available. So um, as a parent, I mean, there's no accident, your child, those of you that are parents, your child chose you because they, they knew that you would align with their purpose and mission and the stuff that they want to explore. So I'm interested in biogeometry. And when I share with, with our my child, he finds it fascinating too. But don't feel pressured to learn biogeometry is what I'm saying. What you are naturally inclined to explore and what your child is naturally inclined to explore encoded in that is already the perfection. So choose to just mm-hmm. discover all of that together and have lots of fun with it. And, um, and, and then one day, you know, your child who's really good at whatever, you know, like building Earthship. And my child, who might be interested in biogeometry, will come together and do awesome projects together. So just allow that perfection to unfold. I think um, the biogeometry, what you pointed out about it being this perfect way to explore all the stuff that Rudolf Steiner is sharing, that also speaks to this idea that maybe Rudolf Steiner's system of education was what was necessary to bridge us through the world. And is it possible we're coming to the time now where that's also limiting? Mm. This idea of following a specific curriculum that the brilliant Steiner channeled through, that was um, that was an externalization of an inner state that he had when that was all shown to him, right? Yeah, so I, I think if... Yeah. So can we can we all as parents tap into the same state that Steiner was in that allow a curriculum to channel through him? And so we drop all curriculum because we just are in that state of constant channeling and download. And we do it in a collaborative way because our children are in a state of constant collaboration and downloading and channeling too. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of the great ones like Steiner left breadcrumbs for us. And if he was still alive continuously since then, he'd be in a totally different space and doing totally different things now. And there's, I think, a great tendency, you know, we have the, the Steiner folks, uh, the Walter Russell folks, the uh, folks that follow this guru and that guru, you know, people that aren't even embodied anymore. And they kind of become zealots and followers rather than taking the true message of those prophets, which is, no, this is just, you know, a a starting place. And our job is to take it to the next level. There's nothing that's ever going to be static. So uh, the last thing we want to do with our kids is indoctrinate them into a curriculum. I totally agree with you. Right, because there are those who are in the Steiner camp and there is there is aspects of that that we all resonate and love, right? That's why we want a, a Walter mm-hmm. Steiner school. But then, then we get dogmatic with it. Yep. It becomes rigid and it becomes limiting. And I just invite all the parents that are listening to this, like, have you gotten dogmatic with this stuff? 
like have to eat organic, have to be gluten-free, have to be like no screen time. Or if we do screen time, we're going to measure 30 minutes per day and all this stuff. Just step back and witness energetically what happens to you when you have to be that disciplinarian. It's not fun for you. And then what happens no. to your child energetically? Like watch what happens to their alignment. Watch the squashing of their light if they're supposed to now feel guilty and shameful about their screen time, for example. Like, so with the screens, that's a big common question is that when I do coaching work with parents, um, it happens like this. Like, like my, my boy uses the screen to research how to build his lemonade empire, right? It's so fun to watch it. Why would I want to limit that? He's learning to type all kinds of things and he's exploring this and that. And so, you know, I, I want to take time to accompany him and make sure that there's no like pornographic things that is showing up and on the screen. And so we do it together as much as I'm able to find the time. And I trust that if something that's non-age appropriate, sometimes he'll go, mama, ah, there was something scary that on the screen. That's actually happened once. And after that happened for two weeks straight, he was like, I don't want to use the computer anymore. I just want to spend time in nature. He already knew mm -hmm. that. So I don't have to discipline him to not look at non-appropriate content on the internet. What's what's great too is I know I do see that a lot in this in the unschooling scene, especially where they say we're uh, low tech or no tech, you know, and it's like, well, we live in a technological society and how why not be in the flow, understand the energetics of your kids and give and give them the respect to to uh, if you come at it in a more adult way to teach them, hey, you can use this as a tool, as you were saying, or as a form of entertainment. But if you're doing it in, in a very like honest, healthy way, they will gravitate towards what they like. And then if they do, for instance, my oldest son is really into Minecraft, which to me, it's cool because he's building these like really complex, amazing worlds that he gets really proud about and wants to share. And oftentimes we'll say, well, how long we just go right to how long have you been on the screen? But he to him, it's not necessarily about that. It's about this creative endeavor he's taken, you know, upon. And so to understand that, right, to be in flow, to be in the flow and, and not be so rigid, I think is a beautiful mind state because that way we have these new, as they come into their flowering of adulthood, they don't have the stigma or the taboo associated, which leads to a lot of psychological stuff. Mm -hmm. Instead, they just are in the flow understanding yeah, this is part of technology and I'm going to use it when I need to. And I'm not going to be just on it, you know, forever because it's like just another thing. It's just another thing that we can just help, you know, have a healthy outlook towards. So I think that's like really, really a powerful statement versus coming with this dogmatic belief that no we're we're low tech or no tech. Well, then how are you setting up your kid later when they have a friend that gives them a phone and then all of a sudden they're going right to all this stuff and they have no you know, flow state with this thing because these things are part of our reality right now. And yeah. maybe we'll transmute that into some crystalline organic technology of sharing down the, down the line. So why even worry about it? I love that. I love that really what you're doing is you're having um, a constant flow of energy between you and your kids. And yeah, you're open and, to that. 
And we talk because we speak in a way that encourages energetic intelligence, emotional intelligence, and spiritual intelligence, just with how we live, right? In an integrated, practical way, not in a woo-woo way at all. You can't woo-woo with your kids. The kids are like, this is so boring. You know, sometimes yeah. he listen over <laughs> here, he teaching a class and we're talking about like all this co- co- consciousness stuff. And, and I'm like so fascinated by it. He's like, mama, it's so boring. It's boring. <laughs> And he can see that I get into the state where I'm separating the spirit from the physical. And he calls me out on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like This is an embodied state of being. Come back, mama. Come back. Stop your woo-woo bullshit. You know? So he keeps me really grounded in that way. But um, because we have that awareness, so when we food choices, it's like, oh, how's your energy when you eat this? Let's ask your body. What does your body want to eat or not want to eat? And he's just like, whenever we... Um, choose, choose um, foods at the groceries or whatever, or at the house, we're looking at the fridge. He's like, my body wants to eat this right now. And then he'll say, my body is full, it's had enough. And there's just like, there's no like portion control and all this stuff. It doesn't, it's, it's obsolete. All of those tools have become totally obsolete. And same with the, the, the spending lots of time on the computer. I'm like, oh, honey, Look at you, you're all dry and parched like his lips because I was like, yeah, mama, I was watching this, this science. He's really into the show called Science Mac. And then he's like building these mad scientist things like projects all the time. And Dave calls him a city of industry because if you leave him for an hour or two, there's just like 10 different projects that he's just built up all around him, you know, like all these little engineering things that he's doing. I'm like, oh, honey, look how dry you are. Can we ask your body? He's like, oh, my body needs water. You know, it's like, does your body want to go for a walk? I'm going to go for a walk. He, and then we look at the show and he's like, I have two more minutes of the show or five more minutes of the show. So I respect it. I'm like, okay, well, I have a conference call in one hour so we can do a 55 minute walk. Is that okay? And then we find that win-win. And he finishes his show because I respect that. And he's joyfully and excitedly coming on a nature walk with me, which also makes me happy. So there's no like manipulation, guilt, control, or all this stuff about the screens. And to him, exploring, you know, researching cool things on the internet is on par with spending time hugging a tree and saying thank you to the thank you rock that we pay homage to, you know, three or four times a week. Those are all equal expressions of his inner joy. And he understands, naturally finds a balance because when you just say, hey, how's your body feeling? Have you spent too much time hunched over the computer? So we don't call it screen time, right? Like it's more about what does your body want in this moment? And then the the dosage of the screen time self-regulates perfectly without you having to be like policing it and disciplining it and all this stuff is just, has become so obsolete in this new world. Yeah, it's beautiful. I could talk to you about this forever. And I know Bear could as well. Um, real quick, I uh, want to uh, just touch on this community that you built, because I know one of the things or that you are involved with, one of the things that people say about uh, unschooling or uh, alternative modes of this uh, type of relationship with 
uh, kids in school is that the, the social aspect, right? Having, making sure that they are interacting with other kids. And I, you know, uh, Bear has spoken to this a lot on other shows with what he did with their kids and how um, that's a total misnomer and a fallacy in, in terms of um, alternative schooling. And in fact, kids are probably more socialized. And, and to that point, I want to go a little bit into briefly, maybe as the last thing to talk about the community that you've been involved with now in your area and things that you guys are doing and maybe touch on what you'll be bringing to Music and Sky. Yay, Music and Sky, you guys, I can't wait to see you. Did you get your ticket yet? You got to go. <laughs> it's going to be so epic, so awesome, beautiful stuff, and really a, a practice run of living in the new reality with what is it like when we can just relax into a community of awakened, enlightened, joyful, heartful souls together. What is it like to live when everybody is like that? Yes. Come and do a practice run with us. You know, so I feel really blessed and, you know, so many awesome gifts. And I'm, I'm sure all of you guys in the audience agree because of the draconian craziness of the world in the past year and a half, all of these beautiful gifts have unfolded. All of us just boom, 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 spontaneously vibrated into each other's lives. And we're building the new reality together. It's like a time code got unlocked and we are doing it now. So I spontaneously vibrated into the field of these really motivated moms who had been health freedom activists. And they said, you know what? That doesn't do it. That doesn't do anything. We need to just focus on building our own thing. So when all the lockdown happened, these two moms got together like, we got to figure it out. They're going to do what with the children? No, 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 no. And so this other guy named Michael, who's a nature teacher, they're like, what? I teach nature school. You're going to do what? You're going to make me put on masks and the kids have to sanitize when they're playing in nature and can't touch up. No, 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 I can't. I haven't. I don't know what I'm going to do for my income, but I cannot play that game. So he quit his job. And these two moms like, you quit your job, yay! Can you come help us build our own thing with the children? So it started with weekend picnics with some like-minded friends and families. And we're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? It's crazy. What are you gonna? And then we're like, well, let's just build something awesome. Let's just keep building. And now we have this community of hundreds of people. We gather, smiles, hugs, high five, living the new reality together. And we're still learning as we go along. So um, Tiani, who who uh, Michael Mike also knows, so. Mike Winner and then Michael Jaguar is the name of the um, nature teacher. So, so Michael Jaguar, the nature teacher, together with the two moms, they started building up programming for the kids. And then gradually Tuesday and Thursday, gradually Monday, Wednesday, and now they have Friday. And now we have seven days a week of community programming, educational stuff, soccer, music, knowledge sharing workshops, and hundreds of people coming together, like, here's my piece. Here's something I can offer to the community. Here's how we can all support and learn and grow together. And it turned into this awesome community of a multi-generational, multicultural, diverse group of awesome people who are all aligned with building a more beautiful new reality. And so when my, my boy doesn't want the rigidity of Tuesday, Thursday nature school, so we do something else, but on the weekends, we go hang out with this community and, um, and you just see that it's very unnatural to live in a nuclear family situation. I knew that, but now I experience it. 
consistently how not right it is to be stuck in a house with a nuclear family. Your children, what they want and need to blossom is a diversity of examples and diversity of age groups of people with diversity of interest for them to, it's like a buffet of awesomeness when they go and hang out with this community, this village. And then you as a parent, you realize, wow, how much work and how awkward is it that I, as one adult, have to manage the energy of this one explosion. Like this, this child is exploding with curiosity and energy and awesomeness, and I can't handle that energy. And it actually shouldn't even be my job. It's the whole village's job. So when you hang out with the, all these awesome adults and all these other kids, the kids run around each other and the adults, they're all like, and then you can be like, okay, I gotta go pee. Can you watch my kid? And you realize, wow, at home, I can't even do that and relax, right? Like, so you realize that what we really need so badly is wanting so much on the planet to crack open is this reality where everybody lives in community, in a village with diversity, and that your children get to learn and grow together with all the age groups, not be segregated based on date of manufacture, not be stuck learning in some square box. My boy is always like, is it true that some people think you learn when you go to that building they call a school? And then you come, because recently we've been driving past some graduations, right? So we drive past these schools and he looks at the school and he never once says, I want to go to that place. Not once. He looks at it like, that looks like a prison. Huh. That's so interesting that some people choose to go to that building and mm -hmm. sit there for eight hours. How strange. And now he's like, how strange. They're having a big party after they're done with that box, sitting in that box for years. And he's like, mama, what are they doing? I'm like, they're having a big party. He's like, why? I'm like, well, they think that they're done learning. He's like, what? And he laughs and he laughs and he laughs. He's like, they think they're done learning. Why do humans ever think that? You learn all the time. Oh my goodness. And he's been like in the car. He's like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Some people think that they go to that square box and then when they're done, they're done learning. How, Mama, you don't think that, right? I don't think that. Who thinks like that? So, yeah, so, so it's so fun to hang out with kids like this. They just like narrate for you all the absurdity of our world. And it's just like a walking comedy show all the time to walk around with the kid. They're like, Momo, what's going on there? What, what happened there? What happened in this? It's so funny. So it's, um, it, it's like, I'm just having lots of fun with this whole journey of, of, accompanying my child I don't even want to call it parenthood it does feels like the wrong word you know like being a being a tour guide accompanying this this awesome friend that is blossoming into um, a beautiful human an example of the kind of human that we're all becoming right now and then all of us living together as a village of like-minded souls with diversity of fun that we get to explore together intergenerational, the children gets to see older people that are not afraid of germs, older people that hug and high five. What is it like to be in the presence of an older generation of people that are fully embodied and confident in their vitality? 
you know, because of the craziness of the world, it kind of basically filtered out those who are not that. So in our community now, those who are of the older generation that show up to our community picnics are the, are the examples of the older people that have full confidence in their body's ability to heal, in full confidence in their vitality, the example that you actually want around your children. So I am grateful to Fauci and Bill Gates and the World Economic Forum and all of that agenda because it actually sorted all of that out so that we've found our, the true tribe that we've been looking for all our lives. Yeah, and some folks are going to recognize it and some aren't. And the ones that choose not to, it's none of our business. We just, you know, like what we're doing in our community, we're building our places, we're building, uh, you know, uh, gathering areas and, and places where we grow our own food, where we do our teaching. And, you know, the amazing thing is that we've become so compartmentalized. You know, it's like, okay, you go here to learn. Now you're allowed to have fun. And, you know, life just doesn't work like that. It's not authentic. It's all happening all the time. And we just have to get back to that flow of uh, if an elder shows up and wants to tell some stories and the kids are interested, you know, then they're going to learn in that way. But it's not something that the kids are going to resist because now they have to go here and do this. And uh, but what an amazing thing. Uh, I just wish I could have uh, had my early years like that. So. Uh, uh, just fantastic what you're doing. And, and I know you're going to take this to another whole higher level here. I unfortunately won't be at music and sky, but I know that uh, that's going to be another great gathering and another community effort. So uh, we're all, we're all circling the wagons here and I see it happening. You know, Deb and I kind of get, you know, really focused on our little project here because it's our passion. We have fun, but people just keep showing up. So it's, it's a wonderful thing. And people that resonate are just going to keep finding each other. And pretty soon, nobody's going to go to the old schools anymore. Uh, nobody's going to go to the old doctors anymore. People are going to stop voting. They're going to turn off their television sets. So this is how it begins. Yeah, beautiful. Are you sure we can't convince you to come to Music and Sky? Come on. I've uh, I've got a lot of kids here. They're little green kids, <laughs> and I've got hundreds and hundreds of them. And if I leave for a few days, uh, they wither and die. So I gotta I gotta stay here and take care of my children. Mm -hmm. We might have to bring yeah, guide to your land. Well, we're working. Yeah. On well, uh, <laughs> why don't you guys all come up after the gathering? Mm. Oh, maybe we can work that out. Yeah, that would yeah. be fun to host you guys up here. We would love to have you and Dave and the kids. So let's let's figure that out, Edith. And uh, our goal, of course, at Alpha Vedic is to, to get to the point where we have enough uh, development where Bear and Deb can leave the farm. But as of now, they they're have to be there. So that's the life of a farmer. Um, but we're, uh, we'll be happy to um, have Bear and Deb and, and the rest of the Alpha Vedic family's um, uh, intentions with us there at Music and Sky. And um, of course, uh, we'll be recording every, everything there. So we will be recording your, your talk, uh, Edith, and that will be featured in the next Reunion Summit. So Bear will be able to see everything we're up to there. Uh, and uh, yeah, Bear, we would obviously um, would 
love to have you guys there and maybe next go around we'll have enough support where you guys can come so um because uh it's really cool to see it all come around again we saw this in your generation bear when you were my age doing you know in the 60s had this huge blossoming of the back to land movement and this community thing and i feel like it's come around again but it's not so much psychedelic driven and stuff. It really is this new consciousness. So I know Bear, you should be proud of what your generation helped get to here. And now we're the, we have this new unfolding. So it's really yeah, Bear, exciting yes. times. Bear, I want to speak to this, um, if I may, sorry to interrupt. Can I, can I share please, about please. my girl when she came through, when she was in my belly, I didn't have the same like very crystal clear communication. I would talk with my boy when he was in my belly and I would get a really clear answer for everything, medical decisions, all this stuff. Whenever I spoke with my girl, all I would get as an answer, whatever question I asked her would be <sighs> silence, like air conditioning, peace stillness i'm like come on give me a message girl <laughs> you know like tell me something and she wouldn't and so finally i went and did a depth hypnosis session with a really like-minded friend of ours who um she also had three home births and her kids are totally luminous kids too and um so so she's really on her same wavelength and i did the session with her and my girl came through and was like mama that is my message that is my answer to you you're so silly. And so she's like, but if you want the answer, the biggest message I want to share is please thank everybody. I waited till now to incarnate because the moms and dads and the humans and the planetary grid, whatever you want to call it, was in such a way that it was not harmonious for my incarnation. And it was because of all these generations of what you call indigo warriors and all the work, hard work, she says, please tell everybody, thank you for all the hard work. Thank yeah, you. That's uh... reworking the entire grid on this planet so that the souls like mine are even, you know, energetically and mechanically possible to come into this realm. It was impossible yeah. for us to come through. So, so profound levels of work have gone in to getting humanity to this level where these new souls are able to come in now. So all of you guys listening to this, I know you guys are all light workers, just really from the heart and bear Mike, like from the heart. Thank you. Those days after the tireless and thankless work you've done to bring forth new paradigms, new ways of living is what made it possible for now, this new generation of children to incarnate at the level of 500 and to get all the way up to 700 to 1000, that level of consciousness would not have been possible if it weren't for all of you guys. And the same back at you, Edith, we're all, we're all on the same mission. And my first response to that was, uh, I think your daughter gave you a message loud and clear. <laughs> that was my first hit on it. You know, there's an old saying, um, one of my favorites, which is, uh, where angels fear to tread. And it addresses exactly what you just said. There, we're all angelic beings on some level. And uh, certain angelic beings choose not to incarnate. And there are teachings been on the planet forever that, you know, address this topic and they just simply 
do not choose to come into the, the, well, previous atmospheres where things were very harsh because it would not allow them to express themselves. But behind the scenes, these beings have been supporting us uh, greatly. And now they say that as these new beings are allowed to come in, you know, your children and who you're talking about, then as we leave our bodies, we will in like be supporting them from behind the veil. So it's this great thing of, I think of platoons coming in to do different jobs, prepare the way for the next one. And then, you know, then we do what they used to do for us. And, and it's just a wonderful thing when you see this whole tapestry and it's when you realize it really is a, a unified web of intelligence with no parts. Beautiful. Well, hey, thanks so much for that. That's a wonderful way to wrap it up there. And um, hey, Dr. E, thanks so much for joining us today. This was a profound talk and hopefully it's giving people listening some not only insight into what you're doing, but inspiration to, if you have kids, to listen to them more and to look into this more and to um, have a lot of hope for the future because not only... Um, is this hopeful in terms of spirituality, but also innovation, right? Like the, the, just imagine the innovation that's going to be coming out of this type of uh, consciousness. It's really, really exciting. So thanks again. And thanks to everyone who uh, was listening uh, here or watching. Uh, please give us a like, subscribe, share with your friends. That really helps us out. And if you are still interested in coming to Music and Sky, we have a few tickets left. It really is going to be an amazing uh, event. And you can go to musicandsky.com for more information there. And then, of course, alphavedic.com for information on us. And for Dr. E, um, Doc, um, it's uh, what is the is the best e uh, excuse me website for the Luminous uh, Kids program? Yeah, so dredithubuntu.com is my website. If you do a slash Luminous, that puts you into the content about the parents coaching program. And I hope this conversation has made it clear why, first of all, we invite you into the parents program first. And then if you vibe with this level, then your kids are also invited to the kids program because the kids class, actually the parents are doing it too. We do it together. So the parents are like, I always wanted to learn sacred geometry. Thank you for showing it to me. You know, the other day we did Mobius strip math. I learned about it in as a math major in college, right? This topography. These five, six, seven-year-olds are doing Mobius strip and all these topographical experiments with cutting pieces of paper and doing cool stuff. And the parents are like, holy shit, this is amazing. <laughs> so, so the kids class is actually the parents are invited to join us. And sometimes they join, sometimes they don't, but we're on a journey together with the kids. And so the parents coaching program is at Dr. Edith Ubuntu slash luminous. And if you like the vibe of what we're offering, then your kids are also invited to join the kids class. So the parents coaching happens on Thursdays, like right now at noon. And um, the kids program happens on Mondays at this moment. So 
Well, I'll put the link uh, underneath and I know you got to get going. So thanks so much, everybody for listening. Thank you so much, Edith, for joining us today. And uh, if you guys have any other questions for her, um, she's got a telegram group and she's got all that information on her website, which will be in the description link below. So please follow her if you're not following her already. She is uh, so amazing at the breadth of coverage that you you have with everything you do. So thanks again, everyone. Yeah, Dr. Um, Edith, thank you. Love you a lot, Dr. Edith. Thanks for being here and looking forward to seeing you again up here. Yay, big hugs, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much. Everybody have a beautiful day. Get outside, uh, get into nature and take your kids with you. We love you and we'll see you next week. Cheers. <laughs>